1 Corinthians 16. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. Watch this now. For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for the illumination in this place and the revelation that you're about to unleash in here. And God, so I thank you that you have raised us up all for this moment, this divine time. Everybody in this house is here for a divine moment. And Lord, I thank you because uh, we know that you are the author and perfecter of our faith. And Lord, when you look at the beginning of our life and the end of our life, it's all the same to you because you are eternal. You look at it from the same perspective because you are, you are an eternal being, God. It's, it's inclusive. And so I pray that we would open our hearts to hear what the Spirit's saying today because, Lord, there is a new level that I feel this church is going to and has been fighting for in the kingdom of God. So, Lord, I know many have been travailing, many have been getting hit, many have been getting attacked, many have been just hanging on, many have been standing. There's marriages who have been hit in unpeculiar ways and families, and so, Lord, we want to expose the enemy this morning, but we also want light to shine bright in Jesus' name. Everybody says amen. amen. When you think about levels, we, you hear a lot of talk about that. People sing songs about it. I'm going to a new level. I want to go to a new level. Everybody at the beginning of the year starts off the year, majority I should say, not everybody, with saying, I'm going to go to a new level this year. And I've learned something years ago, a couple of things I've, I've learned the last, last few years, is one is this. If I'm going to have my best year uh, monetarily, my best year whatever, it must be my best year spiritually. I think a lot of times we, we set out to say we, have, we want a best year for this and that, but we don't realize that for it to really be our best year in whatever capacity you're thinking of, it needs to be your best year spiritually. And, and, and usually that's where the enemy will hit because we come out the starting blocks with like, I'm going to pray, I'm going to do my devotion, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to do this, I'm going to fast more this year, I'm going to take this to a new level. And then the enemy will come in with some attack to stop that or to prohibit that from you and I going there. Are you with me today? And so I've learned that. The other thing I've learned is I've learned in, in the last few years, I've learned really how, and I've taught this, and I've taught even when you guys were in our region, I, I taught the pastors that, I've learned and I'm learning how to enjoy the journey. Can I be honest with you? That has been something that's been very difficult for me because I am a goal-oriented person. I always set goals and have set goals for my life and for my church and for my, my family. I've always set goals, and so it has been very difficult for me. I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of person that uh, even when I was little and played sports and I would get awards, it didn't matter to me because I was always focused on the next. I was always focused on what's next, and it was hard for me to enjoy accomplishments because I was always so focused on what's next. But I've learned in life that there's very few pinnacles. Are you with me? Most of life is just routine. Most of life is just the same old, same old. You go to bed, you get up, you come to church on Sunday, you drop your kids off at school, you go pick them up. Most of it is routine, and so I'm learning. I am literally learning how to celebrate those moments in my life, those pinnacles in my life, and those important things in my life, that it's not just about what's next, but it's about what God's doing now. Are you with me? 
And many of us are like that. Many of us have that same mentality. It's hard for us to celebrate, especially when, are you with me, the picture that you're shooting for, the picture that you're striving for, the place you're in now looks nothing like that picture. It looks nothing like the picture you're shooting for. And that's something Pastor Stephen still within me. You've got to know where you're going. You've got to know what you're shooting for. He laid the picture out for my life. He, he basically laid the picture out for, for me. And so constantly striving and shooting for that, it's caused me, I would say, even some unfortunate pain, not because of wanting to do what God wanted me to do, but because I didn't know how to enjoy the journey. I didn't know how to enjoy the little things that God would do and the little things and the, the things of this would happen or that would happen because I was so focused on the end and what the picture God showed me, I missed a lot. Let, let me just tell you how bad I was, okay? And this is true, and my daughter Anna will testify about this. It, we, when they were young and wanted to go to Disneyland, we would go. I would have a chart out when we were going to get there, Amen. I would tell them, you better hold it or put a diaper on. I don't care if you're five years old. Amen, somebody. Because that is not going to stop. We're going to get there. Everything to me was a start and finish. Now watch. When that mentality, also everything became to me success and failure. Success and failure. If things worked out the way I planned it to, if things worked out the way I envisioned it to, success. If it didn't work out, failure. And I've had to learn, and you've heard this, it's not just cliche, that we don't lose, we learn. We don't win and lose, we win and we learn. Are you with me? You need to learn from those things. Learn that when it doesn't go out the way, the way you planned it, that it's okay that God's still in control and God's still going to work it out and God's still going to make it happen. I think there's some awesome testimonies in this church when I think of Juan and Glory. I think of Pastor Emmanuel and Yolanda and what their kids are doing and how things have changed and happened in their life, but you see the fruit in their children. And to me, at a place I'm at now, 20-some years serving God, it's, that's not even the focus of the ministry anymore. It's now like, what are my kids going to do for God? That's the most important thing to me now. How, what legacy will I leave? It's not what I do or how big my church is, is in Sacramento. It's what my kids will do for God. I commend them as parents. I commend them going through the hells that they've gone through and they've still got fruit. And you see it in their kids. Somebody should give God a hand of praise for that. I'm setting this up this morning. Just stay with me. You need to realize this. You're never going to go to the next level physically until you go there mentally. I've seen, and I'm going to break this down and give you the most simple analogy. It's going to make so much sense, but just stay with me. Proverbs 23, 23 verse 7 says this. As a man thinketh, so he is. See, most of the time when you and I pray, pray from a conditioned perspective. We pray from, God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to save that person. God, I need you to fix this. God, I need you to change this. God, I need you to change them if you're married. Amen. God, I need you to do this and do that. And I've learned that over the years that my conditions don't change and God doesn't usually respond to condition change until he first ch ch does something different and does position change. 
until he gets me to realize who I am in Christ, and I need to operate from a position perspective, not a condition perspective. Because when you operate from a condition perspective, there it is again. If everything's going good, I must be good with God. If everything's going bad, I must have done something wrong with God. And we live on this merit system, and that's not how it usually is. The reality is this. If all hell's breaking loose, that is usually a sign that you are probably in the right place and where you need to be with God, and God's about to do something new in your life. Here's what I tell you all the time. How do you know you're called to victory outreach? It's very simple. When the devil does everything to try to get you to leave victory outreach, you belong in victory outreach. He wouldn't hit you if you didn't belong here. He wouldn't try to get you out if your kids didn't belong here. He wouldn't try to take you out if there was somebody you were supposed to reach, somebody you were supposed to teach. He wouldn't hit you if you didn't belong here. You gotta flip it on the devil and stop saying, man, I must not belong here because it just seems that it never goes right. I have confrontation with this person. I have confrontation with this man, that ministry. No, it's because you do belong here. He's trying to get you out. Because when you realize who you are and who you are in Christ, let me just say something. I don't beg God to meet my needs. I don't beg him to meet my needs. Because beggars beg, sons ask. My children don't beg me to provide food. My children don't beg me to pay the rent. My children don't beg me to buy them clothes. Only if it's Jordan's, amen, but that's a different story. They don't beg me for certain things because why? Because they're children and they know it's what's coming to them. So when you, you, you beg God and you Beg God to meet your basic necessities. You have a slave mentality. You don't have a child position. You have a slave position. Are you with me? See, I learned something years ago. As a matter of fact, it's not a coincidence that my, my, my baby here is with me because she's the one that taught me this. In, in the beginning of in ministry, I was fortunate to travel and get asked to speak places, and I would go and go do different things, and I'd come back, and when my girls were young, the first three, not Eva, she wasn't born yet, the first three were back to back. And when you walk into our house, we have a stairway that kind of is wide at first in the beginning, and then it narrows as you go up. And it never failed. The girls would hear my car, they would hear me coming in, and they would run and line up on the stairs. And it never failed, they would always do this in chronological order, based on their birth. It'd be the oldest, then it would be Ruthie the middle, then it would be Anna the youngest. And so I would come in, and there was Lena. And I would drop my bags, and I would start grabbing her and tickling her and kissing her neck and just, you know, making her laugh. And she would start laughing and rolling on the stairs and just like, oh, daddy, stop it, daddy, right? Then I would go to Ruthie. And I would do the same thing to Ruthie, and I would get her, and she'd be cracking up, and she'd be laughing, and she'd be doing this. But this one, before I would even get to this one, before I'd even touch this one, before I would even get near this one, just from Elena and Ruthie, she would already start laughing, and she would already start screaming, and she would already start moving. I hadn't even touched her yet. Why? 
because she knows her daddy. And if daddy did it for this one, daddy's going to do it for that one. And so she could start celebrating in advance because if daddy blessed that one, daddy's going to bless this one. And I've learned that's how Papa God is. I don't hate on people's blessing no more. I've learned if daddy gave that one a building, daddy at some point is going to give me a building. If daddy gave that one a wife, daddy's going to give me a wife. If daddy gave that one this, at some point, my God is going to bless me too so I can celebrate even before it comes. The problem is if you don't celebrate, you don't know daddy. Hello? See, we live in a generation that does not know how to seek the Lord no more. I've noticed that. That most, when it comes to praying and prayer events, it turns into prayer meetings instead of seeking the face of the Lord. See, I could tell people in my church that have a shallow prayer life. You know why? Because when I call all night prayer, or we have some prayer thing, watch me now, they're the first one to get up off their knees. They say, what do you mean? Well, you ever been put in a situation where you get invited to somebody's house? And then you get invited to somebody's house. This happened to me, true story, in Africa, right? In Cape Town, everything there is like, was made at Ikea. Right? Where's Selena? All the furniture is smaller. Now, that's not cool for a big guy like me. Amen. <laughs> True story. We're spying at the land. We're with Pastor and Jose's there. Church hasn't even started yet. And there's this one family just hosting us and taking us around. They invite us all back to their house for fellowship. And it's all great and good. And so I find this one little, little recliner. Amen. And I, I, when I come in, because the feet are hurting, praise God. And I go sit on it. And I'm sitting on it, right? And all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but Pastor Steve, Pastor Stevon, I mean, uh, Pastor Jose, they got up and left, and left me with a bunch of people that I didn't know. Isn't it hard to hold conversation with somebody you don't know? See, people who can't pray, it's hard to keep company with somebody you don't know. It's hard to stay in his presence with somebody you don't know. So you get up quick and start, get spiritual and start going lay hands on people because you don't know how to seek the Lord. You don't know how to wait upon the Lord no more. So you get up and go start laying hands and spiritually fake it because your spiritual life is very shallow. You know what happened to me? God was going to force me to change. This is true. A lot of people in, the, in Africa, they're blessed. And when I mean blessed, <clears throat> I mean like blessed like me. Amen. This one sister, true story, she was blessed she was about three blessed, amen. But she was blessed proportionally, I'll just say it as that, okay? Her lower part was a lot bigger than her bottom part. Pastor Steve leaves, Pastor Jose leaves. I'm in the chair, and I'm thinking, now's the time to make my move. Now's the time to go. No, this sister with the blessed bottom, decides to sit on the arm of my chair, and her bottom is on my lap. I don't know her. I don't know her from Eve. Amen. 
And I'm like so uncomfortable. I'm trying to figure out every way. I can't get out because she ain't letting me out. She is not moving. And I'm like, and Pastor Jose walks in. He sees, he goes, and starts and walks. And then, so I'm like there, and I'm like trying to turn sideways, but that's not working out because I'm big too. And she's on my lap, and I'm like, Jesus, help me get out of this situation, please. Here comes my papa. Pastor, I think if anybody's going to rescue me, it's my papa. Pastor, he walks in, he goes, You evil men, what's wrong with you? Because the point is when you don't know the person, it's hard to keep company with them. It's hard to spend time with them. We got to get back to seeking the Lord. It was a buzzword when I got saved. People didn't make decisions until they sought the Lord. Now, here's what's happening in this day and age. Well, I just feel. I just feel. I just feel, Manuel. I just feel. I just feel this way. I just, I feel this way. And I feel God telling me to go somewhere else. And I feel God doing this. And I feel God doing that. And everything is based on feelings. And you got it twisted. Because you're just looking for a way out like I was. Amen. Out of the situation. And you're letting your feelings dictate that. Are you with me? See, and, and that's where it comes to. I've been on a journey, and, and let me just say this. I have never read the Bible cover to cover. In 26 years, I have never read it from beginning to end. I don't care if you like me or don't. I don't care. Because you know what I think? America is too wide, but yet not deep. They're so focused on finishing from beginning to end, I'll take a month in one chapter, in one book. I'll sit there in a month and chew the cud over scripture, over. Have I read the whole Bible? Yes. From cover to cover? Heck no. Because every time I get to Leviticus, that thing with the scapegoat just jacks me up every time. <laughs> I get bored. And so we're way too deep, I mean too shallow, and not deep. And that's why folks have this misconception of the word of God. I've taught this before, but I want to reiterate it for some folks. The Bible is not a book of rules. See, the Bible consists of two documents, the Old Testament and New Testament. A testament is a will. And you know what a will does? A will is a legal document. The Bible is a legal book for his sons and daughters. So when you come to church, you're not coming to hear what you can or can't do. You're coming to hear what belongs to you legally. Come on, somebody. You're coming to hear what's yours. You're coming to hear what rights you have, what God has for you. You're coming to hear what belongs to you. Watch me now. That's why Jesus rebuked Peter when Peter tried to keep him going to the cross. Jesus knew. Watch me. He knew that a will is only good if the proprietor dies. It only takes effect when the proprietor is dead. The proprietor has to die for this to become a legal document. Jesus had to die. He said, Peter, you have in mind the things of the devil. You don't understand. If I don't die, I can't get to you. I can't bless you. I can't get the Holy Spirit to you. I can't get the promise. I can't get everything that's supposed to be yours unless I die. So every time you come to church, you and I are coming to hear 
their reading of God's will. <laughs> but you want to still think, oh, it's a book of, of rules. No. I can do whatever I want. The Bible says that. I just don't want to no more. Are you with me? So let me get into this now. Talking about levels. Here it is. The problem with the next level for your life, whether it be ministry, financial, marriage, whatever it is, is designed to keep you out. It's designed to keep you out of that level. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Eddie? Watch me now. It's not welcoming and it's not embracing to your coming. See, don't think that when you say, I'm going to go to the next level, that level's going to say, whoa, we've been waiting for you. Welcome to a blessed marriage. Welcome to a prosperous life. Welcome to a debt-free life. Or whatever it is you're asking God for in the next level of your life, it is not going to welcome you. Because this world is based on systems. Let me prove this to you. Let me give you an example. You ever drove by? When I was on crack in this area, I used to drive around a lot. And I worked in the electrical business, so I saw a lot of new housing developments. And I remember I would drive by these new housing developments, and some of them had gates or doors. Watch me. And that gate was designed, hear me now, to keep people out who could not live at the level it took to live beyond the gate. God, that's so speaking good. I don't care if you're doing good. I think it's wonderful. It's designed to keep you and I out who aren't willing to do what it takes to live on that side of the gate. See, I'm snucking in because I didn't have access, but I don't know about you. I would wait for someone to pull up. Amen. You've been in places where there's a gate, you couldn't get in, you didn't have the code, you didn't have access. So I would wait for someone to pull up, and when they would go, I'd, boom, I'd get in there. Because I wanted to see what life was like beyond that side of the gate. You know what life is like? They don't change the oil in their driveway, amen. Their deal's not fixing their car in their driveway. They don't leave their garbage cans out in their driveway. Oh, no, you get fined for doing that. You can't just do whatever you want to your house in that side of the gate. No, you have to be willing to live at a certain level to stay on that side of the gate. That's why I get so frustrated with the church. Why? Because you hear these crazy guys. Today's the day of your breakthrough. Today you're going to get your breakthrough. And I've seen so many people with that mentality who go and really just have enlightenment and they claim to have a breakthrough, but they don't stay through. They go to conference. They get illuminated. The breakthrough starts there, but it doesn't end there. And then they get come back, and they're all discouraged. And in two months, you've got to counsel him again, Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve, on their marriage. And in a week, you've got to deal with him again, that issue. But he came back from conference. He came back from the men's. He came back from some thing talking about, I got a breakthrough. I got a breakthrough. I got a breakthrough. You know why? Because they're not willing to make the adjustments to stay on the other side. See, I may win the lottery, and it may get me on the other side. 
But if I don't learn to manage my money, I'm going to have to live back on the other side of that gate. Just adding to your life doesn't change your life, my friend. It's what you need to, the adjustments you have to make on the inside. Are you with me? And so people get mad at God. They get frustrated with God because they go and hear these, some of these idiotic preachers that today is the day of your breakthrough. And you go and you get all emotional and you cry and you go home and nothing changes. Nothing changes. It's still the same old drama. still the same old kids doing with this and that because they mislead. Peter, when here's the perfect example, when Peter was in prison, Peter wasn't set free when the light came on in Acts chapter 12. The Bible says the angel showed up, the light is on, but Peter's still shackled up. Why? See, right now what's happening is illumination. I don't like using that word revelation. There's only one revelation, which is from God, the word of God. I don't like using that new revelation. That misleads people. You have illumination. It, you see it in a different light. Right now you're being illuminated. Watch me. But you're not free. It wasn't until Peter, watch me now, obeyed the voice of God through the angel when he said, get up. When Peter got up, the Bible says, boom, the chains fell off. His obedience to the word is what gave him a breakthrough. There's so many folks in the church that have the light on, but they're still in bondage. They're still in bondage. Then they get mad at God. They get angry with God. The light's on, but you're not willing to live by the word and do what he says. When your wife gets in your face, humble yourself. Don't respond back that way to her. No, you don't understand, Pastor. That, 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 this lady's crazy. No, I know. My wife was crazy. She was five foot one, but she would get in my face. And you know what I would do? I would start singing worship. I'm dead serious. One time I locked myself in the bathroom singing worship. Because if I didn't, I was going to choke her. Amen. I said, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. And so a lot of folks, they have this mentality, and they're like, next level. I'm going to get to the other side. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And they go there, and two months, six months, whatever, they're right back to this side of the gate. Because they didn't learn to stay free. Watch me. My wife and I, after 20 years of marriage, do not have the same issues we had in the beginning. You know why? Because we've made adjustments to keep us on this side of the gate. We've made adjustments that we don't deal with, what other people deal with, to keep us on this side of the gate. If we didn't, we'd be going back and forth. You go to counseling, you're like, yes. We feel great. We can do this. And here's the thing. You have to get tested. The only way you're going to change is you have to go through it again. She's got to get in your face again. He's got to give you that look again. The kid has to do that again. You're going to get hurt in the church again. It has to happen again because that's the only way you're going to change. And so a lot of these fake people talking about, oh, I got a, break, a breakthrough from this guy preaching, from that guy preaching. And then something happens, and they go right back to their old way. I even had one person tell me, why do I keep getting hurt? You keep getting hurt because you haven't learned to guard your heart. 
That's the reality. And until you learn how to deal with this healthy and the right perspective, it's going to keep happening to you. Boy, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church, Pastor Stephon. Hello? See, watch. That's why I loved hanging out with Pastor Steve. And why you should love hanging out with your pastor and certain ministers. Because you know what he did? It's what God did. Watch me now. God told the children of Israel, I want you to go spout the land across the Jordan. That's their gate. What was he doing? I want you to go see what life is like on the other side. God will always give you a glimpse of what life is like on the other side. But if you're not willing to make the adjustments and the changes to get there, don't get mad at him. See, I hung out with Pastor Steve. He showed me what life was like in his marriage on that side of the gate. He showed me what life was like with his kids on that side of the gate. He showed me what ministry was like on that side of the gate. And me doing so, it gave me a glimpse. It didn't mean I was going to go there instantaneously. I was going to have to make the changes and adjustments to live there with him. I got to show you this scripture. This scripture perplexed me, and I wrestled with it over and over and over and over, and it vexed me so much, and I need to break this down for you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. Most of my illumination comes from my longings and my frustrations with Abba Father. You ever been angry with God? Do you know it's okay? See, the very fact that you're angry means you have a relationship with him. Oh, that's so good. Because you don't get angry with people you don't know. I get angry with my wife because I know her. And she knows me. Now, I'm not saying sin. Don't cuss God out. I'm not saying that. But it's okay to be angry with God at times. And most of my, these, these things have come to me in moments of frustration and anger. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. Watch this. Then God blessed the seventh day. What was the seventh day? It meant what? Creation was done. What was created in the seventh day? Birds, fish, water, vegetation, the firmament. Now watch this. Watch this verse. It's just perplexed me. Because in it he rested from all his work which God had made and created. Look at this. Verse 4. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when God created in the day of the Lord. God made the earth and the heavens. Watch this right here. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. Wait, 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 whoa, whoa, hold up. It's the seventh day. Who was made in the sixth day? Man, why in the heck? Would God say he didn't allow it to rain on the earth because he had no man to till the ground? Think about that. It's the seventh day. I just went to you in verse 3. The seventh day the Lord had made. God blessed it, sanctified it. He rested. Everything's already created. Why would he say he did not cause it to rain because there was no man to till the ground when Adam is there? Teal means manage or steward. God said, I can't allow that harvest to come in that manner 
Because even though Adam is here, it's not that Adam wasn't here. Adam did not have a capacity yet to deal with that kind of harvest. Adam did not have the knowledge yet of how to till and manage the, 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 the harvest coming from the ground. So when God said, I, I couldn't let it rain, because not because he didn't have a man, it's because Adam did not have the capacity to handle that kind of harvest. Now watch me now. Here's where we get mad at God. Oh, God, I need terrain. Oh, God, I got nothing coming in my life. And you start rebuking the devil. You start blaming the devil. No, a lot of times it's God who's withholding your harvest. It's God who's withholding your level. It's God who's withholding that blessing because you don't have the capacity to manage the harvest he wants to give you. And I see so many frustrated Christians. They're frustrated. They're angry. The devil lies to them. And yet, right here, it's not God's lying. you got to look in Scripture. God said he had no man who can manage that kind of harvest I wanted to give him. It's not always the devil, people. It's not always the devil. If you don't change and make adjustments to get there, all you're doing just praying and asking amiss. And if James says that, you don't receive because you ask amiss, because you keep putting so much on him, and he's like, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting you to finally get up and start paying your bills. I'm waiting for you to finally start paying your tithes. I'm waiting for you to start making an investment in your marriage. I'm waiting for you to start sowing seeds of love and seeds of mercy and seeds of grace. I'm waiting on you. But until you're ready to manage it, I cannot rain on your life because you're not ready for that next level of harvest. So Paul says, he said, this great door is open to me. But the problem is, there's many adversaries. The greater the door, the greater the adversaries. And I've learned to switch it on the devil. Because, see, there's this, there's this doctrine. Let me just back for a minute. This theology, especially in America, where if you have no success, you're doing something wrong. But, see, I've learned this. Every door, every gate that I'm called to go to the next level, the devil is right there saying, you ain't getting through. And I'm going to unleash everything on you to keep you from occupying what's yours behind this gate. I am going to unleash everything to keep you from getting to that place. So what am I going to do? When all hell break loose, I learn to start celebrating. It gets me happy now. See, and I'm finally at a place, because I have to be honest with you, when I would read Acts and the apostles would come out rejoicing that they just got beat, I had a hard time with that. For years, I had a hard time with that. I'm like, what is wrong with these people? Why are they rejoicing? They just got flogged and whipped and beat up. What is wrong with them? 
because they understood this principle. That's what Paul's writing it here, that the greater the temptation is this. It's not that you don't belong there. The greater the attack means you're close to a door. It means you're at a door. And so now when the devil unleashes hell, I go, oh, I'm close. I know I'm close. I, I know I'm close. I know I'm close. I know I'm close because he wouldn't hit my family. He wouldn't hit my money. He wouldn't hit my church. He wouldn't hit my leaders. He wouldn't hit. See, and how do you know you're at a gate? Because then you start going through unusual things. And unusual things, and all of a sudden, you and your wife are fighting about that you never fought about before, but now you are. And the kids start acting up in manners that they never did before. That's the sign that you're at a gate. And the greater the gate, the greater the opposition. I've learned. When Jesus said, and God told Moses, he said, when you go, who do I say that I am? They sent me. He said, you tell them I am that I am. They even asked Jesus the same question. Who are you? He said, I am. I am is not God's name. I am is who God is. Now watch me. There is a principle in the Bible called the I am principle. That's why you have to be careful that how you use the word I am. Because everything in the universe responds to I am. Because it's not his name, it's who he is. The universe recognizes the I am. They know the I am. And when you, whatever you say after I am, the universe must respond to that and it will be drawn to your life. That's why every time you say, I am no good. I am never going to stay saved. I am never going to make good money. I am never going to be a good husband. I am never going to get a breakthrough. I am never going to get healed. I am never going to change. I am never going to have that. I am never going to be like them. I am never going to do that. You don't realize that the universe responds to, I am. Everything follows I am. And every time you speak that, every time you say that, my grandma had it right when she would tell me, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say it at all. She understood the power of words. And I'm not saying it's going to change overnight, but I've learned to stop saying, I'm never going to have this many people. I'm never going to plant as many churches as Pastor Steve. I'm never going to stop doing this, or I'm never going to have that, or I'm never going to be like this, or I'm never going to accomplish that, or I'm never going to do that. Because when I do that, the universe responds positively or negatively to whatever follows I am. So when I'm going through hell, and I'm broke as a joke, and I don't even got money for two bean burritos at Taco Bell. Hello, somebody. Been there, done that. Can I get an amen? And when the kids are going crazy, and the wife is like she's bipolar. I don't know what happened to her. 
when suddenly the church folks are going crazy and everybody's going crazy, I have learned in those times I start speaking, no, I am a man of God. I am saved. I am born again. I am set free. I am not the same. I am who he says I am. I am rich. I am prosperous. I am delivered. I am healed. Can I get an I am from anybody? I am going to make it. I am going to finish. I am going to do what he says I'm going to do. I am going to get there by faith. I am not going to quit. I, when I am weak, I am strong. I am greater than who the devil says I am. I am a good man. I am a good husband. I am a good father. I am a good pastor. I am a son of God. I am a child of God. I just keep saying, I Some of you suffer from depression because you keep saying I am followed by a negativity. And the universe has to respond to whatever comes after I am. That's why Pharaoh had to submit. See, Moses was trying to figure out what do you mean I am? God knew if he just said I am that the devil was going to have to bow down and eventually let them free. It works both in the positive and in the negative. And when I'm at a place, a low place, and that devil's there saying, you ain't getting over here. You ain't getting to this side of the gate. And I know because God showed me what's on the other side of the gate. God showed me a picture. God showed me what's on the other side. But I realize now, the more opposition is, closer I am to a gate. Why am I saying that? Because you've been at a gate for your heart. You've been at a gate. You've been at a gate. I could feel it spiritually. When I walked in, I could feel it. I was like, they're at a gate. They've been at this gate and some have even gotten mad personally with God because you're like, why isn't my marriage changing? Why isn't this happening? Why is this, that? It's because you're at a gate. And the devil's doing everything he can to distract you. See, when you're there, his objective is to get our sight off of what's on the other side of the gate and keep them on the problems. Because if you're focused on the problem, you'll miss it when the gate opens up. You'll miss it. You'll miss it. And then you gotta go back around and wait. God took the children of Israel many times by the gate of the Jordan in their 40 year journey he even showed Moses on the mountain, there's the gate. But you can't go, Moses, because you didn't change. I'll let you see it, but you're going to die right here. See, at least they had the maturity that when God said no, they didn't get mad at God. This generation, we get all upset. See, this doesn't work. Prayer doesn't work. Giving doesn't work. See? And the devil's doing what he wants to do. 
to get you focused on the problem so you miss the gate. Has anybody been going through hell in this place? It's because you're at a gate. Just don't give up and get spiritual. Because see, what Paul said is this. The next verse, I didn't have time to even get through this. He said, I'm going to stay here in Pentecost, Ephesus, until Pentecost comes. I'm going to stay here and wait upon God. I'm going to stay here and let the Holy Ghost fill me until I have the power to get through the gate. The problem is we try to go through the gate in our own flesh. You can't hype yourself through a gate. You can't just motivate yourself to get through a gate. It's spiritual. I never forget, as the keyboard player comes, I remember when, when first Pastor Steve first started using me. And those of you that have been around a while, Pastor Steve, he was nice to you, but he was, man, he, sometimes he was rough on me. But he knew what he was doing. And uh, he had me pick up the offering. So I went up there and tried to finesse it. And I get to the side. He goes, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what did I do wrong? <laughs> what? That sounded great. What's wrong with you? Nothing, Pastor. What's wrong with you? Don't you realize what you're doing is spiritual? See, because that was a gate to open a door to financial blessing of the church and financial blessing of the people. And he understood the spiritual dynamic of it that when I was up there, it was a gate. They just can't manipulate or finesse or articulate your way through a gate. That it's something spiritual has to happen. Otherwise, you stay on this side. I've learned not to get mad at Papa no more. I've learned not to blame everything on the devil. Because the reality is God wants to rain down on you. But like what he said with Adam, he's not ready yet. I can't rain it down. Because he doesn't have the capacity how to manage that harvest. I want to bless you. I want to give you what you're asking me for so bad. But I can't. If you're not willing to make the adjustments. Because I don't want you just to visit over here. I want you to stay over here on this side. Because it's a good place for your marriage. It's a good place for your finances. And it's a great place for the heart of the bay. Stand to your feet this morning, this afternoon. See, because I've had those conversations with God. And I've had those conversations where you start questioning yourself and doubting yourself. And what did I do wrong, Daddy? What did I go wrong? Or what did I do here or there? Why, why did you let the devil do this? Why, Papa, did you allow this to happen? And many of those times it messed with my confidence. And that's exactly what the enemy wanted. Lift your hands. I feel something supernatural happening right now. There's many leaders, you've been at a gate for a while. There's many couples, you are at a gate. At 
That's why you're getting hit so hard. Hallelujah. 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 I just, I, I need to tell you what the Lord is telling me. You need to travail through this gate. What's going to get you through this gate is travailing prayer. Travailing for your family to get saved. Travailing to break through and stay through. Because Proverbs 4.23 says this, Guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. See, I made the mistake many times of dealing with the issue, and the issue wasn't the problem. It was my heart. The issue came from my heart. And if you keep dealing with issue, you're dealing with fruit, not root. you got to get your heart right. you got to get your heart right. That's the key. I remember I was in a meeting, and I'm, I know, I, I gotta say this, because I remember Spirit broke me, and Pastor Stella remembers, I'm not sure Chella was there, and I was saying, you know, I was so uncompassionate towards my wife. I had such little compassion for her, because I didn't know what marriage was like. I loved her, I'm not saying I didn't love her, but I didn't know how to show compassion. And you know what it was? It was my heart. I had to get my heart right that when she would hurt, I would hurt with her. Now I think sometimes I'm, it seems like I feel like I'm too compassionate now. <laughs> but I'd rather be here than where I used to be. You got to go in a mode of travailing. Lord has a word for some of you this morning. And this sweet, somber spirit quickly move upon the image of the light of God. Just like when the angel told Peter, get up and go. You got to move right now. The Come to the altar. Quick, move. Quick. Don't debate it. Just move quick. Wherever you're at, doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter where you're at, wherever you're at, move. Move quickly. Move. Because today begins the breakthrough. Begins the breakthrough. But will you stay there it is.